It's your boys back again with another Day One Dolphins podcast. As always, I'm your host, Big Ouch, man, South Florida native, Dolphins degenerate. Follow me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Here with me, per usual, is head of football operations, Spicy Take Sut, long Miami Dolphins fan. You can follow him on Twitter at Chief Sut. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Day One Dolphins. Stay up to date with everything that we got to say. What's going on, Sut? Not too much, bro. And shout outs to everybody that bumped the first couple episodes because I was looking at our uh, our numbers and we got we got homies throwing ratings. We got reviews. We got uh, we got some nice feedback and some nice little statistics to play with. So uh, appreciate everybody listening and following along. Even if you didn't subscribe or leave a rating or anything like that. Good looks either way, bro. I see some people in there. You saw they're like, yeah, even if your team is bad, you know, this is still a good <laughs> podcast. Like, all right. All right yeah, there's like a but... Cowboys fan in there. I'm like. Listen, we'll leave you guys alone. Backhanded. Uh, I, I appreciate Dak Prescott. I wish you guys the best, but... I want to touch base on the report that came out by Dave Hyde, right? Because I'm about to bring up the fact that I think that the Cowboys are going to be the ones to hire Sean Payton. That'd be cool. Through the rumor mill. And I think he's going to come out of retirement after this next season, and that's going to be the plan. Uh, but Dave Hyde reported, which... Say what you will about the boy Dave, but... It's a big story, and I try to ignore the pro football talk Mike Florio version of it, but essentially they're saying that we were offering Sean Payton $20 million a year for a five-year contract and that Tom Brady was going to be the quarterback, Sean Payton was going to be the coach, and it was this mega deal, and that with all the Brian Flores stuff that happened, it all went to hell, and they just had to take this organic, last-minute approach to the coaching hiring process, which... There are so many different ways you could feel about this, but what do you think? You think there's any truth to that, or um, you had me up until the Tom Brady thing. Like, if we didn't throw the entire checkbook and everything that we have at Sean Payton, we're stupid. That dude is an actual coach. That is a player's coach, a coach's coach, or whatever coach you want to do. We ain't seen somebody ballsy enough to kick an onside kick to open the second half of the Super Bowl ever. <laughs> the ballsiest thing we've even seen in comparison is Saban pulling Hurts at halftime for the freshman quarterback no one's ever heard of, you know? And, like, at the time, you're like, this is kind of crazy. But looking back, you're like, that was an extremely tactical move that paid off. Sean Payton's fully capable of that. It's not like you're getting Belichick who's willing to, like, take practices and, like, that's how he wants to cheat. This man was putting bounties out. Oh, 10K yeah. if you Bounty take gate. his head off. I forgot about that. Bro, that's the I'm out. That's not cheating. What's like that clip? The clip of the of the high school coach that got fired. Yeah. Yes, sir. And he was, that's what that's what the fuck I'm talking about. That's where I come from. And Sean Payton won. All he did was win. And he won with a small pocket quarterback that was just shifty enough and deadly accurate. accurate you know what I yeah. mean? So like it was a perfect scheme for two ideally. If he would have asked me as soon as we fired Flo and Sean Payton got, you know, released and that almost became a thing, I'm like, that has to be who we're throwing the book at. Or Harbaugh. 
because, you know, Michigan ties. Yeah, I was so distracted. We both were. We were so distracted with Harbaugh at the time that we weren't even thinking about Sean Payton. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. It didn't seem real because it's like he's not going to come here. And, you know, obviously we offered him a ton of money. I'm sure a bunch of teams did. People just feel the need to generate clicks with us. And, like, maybe it's just our algorithm, but I don't know. Nah, it's our reaction. It's how reactive we are. It's how, as a fan base, and it's, it goes both ways. Like, you can think, like, chicken or the egg situation. Like, we are so reactive as a fan base because we've been disrespected as a fan base. It's not like we've been one of the worst teams. We've been mediocre, yeah. down the middle. I think at some point during the Adam Gase era, there was a statistic that came out that we were like, in the last how many seasons, five seasons, we were like 115 wins, 115 losses. Down the middle, which is worse than being bad, in my opinion, because we were always drafting like 17th and always missing the playoffs by like one or two yep. games. And always drafting just an odd position that wasn't even the best player available. So like even drafting at that spot, we weren't doing anything with it. Christian Wilkins is the only one I can remember that was good that we got like, you know, or Laramie Tunsil because he dropped. Yeah, but exactly. We got disrespected as if we were the Lions or the Browns. We got treated like we were 0-15 for three years straight all the time. That's like the media like, ah, oh, what a joke. Anytime we speak. And I think a lot of it comes from the New England Patriots always running it and no one taking anyone else serious. But yeah. Well, now, now it's not even them. And, like, people don't fear New England the way all of us actually do. We don't talk about it like we used to. Like, oh, shit, New England's coming. But it's still in the back of our head that Bill Belichick's there. Now it's the Bills. That's the meme that everybody can use against us because we haven't beaten Josh Allen. And once Well, I was just about to say, they would have been in the same boat as us because everyone would make fun of them. You know, they're the laughing stock as well. And they had the same New England Patriots team ensuring that they weren't actually going to be a real threat the same way. <laughs> yeah. But they came out and kind of took the league in a convincing fashion. You know, we didn't. We squeak into the playoffs here and there. or We have, in a one, we're, we have one game left and we can get in there. We have our chance. We're always contending for the wild card. Yeah. But the, the Bills came out convincingly so. You know, they're like, hey, here's the best game you guys have ever seen on television before. We're competing for the AFC Championship back to back. Like we look like a Super Bowl caliber team. You know, mm -hmm. if the Dolphins were doing that, I think that everybody would have shut up by now. But we know what it takes. We've said it like in the last, I don't know, three episodes out of three that once Tua gets it done the way we know he's gonna, all that shit changes, and we get to talk like how everybody else gets talked to and treated, and we get like genuine hate because there'll be statistics to back up their hate because there's so much success. As of right now, people are just nitpicking. And it's funny to see when people are like, oh, wow, look at how bad Tua's stats are. Any of us can just go in and pull up some crazy metric on how accurate he was on a three-step drop compared to everybody else in the league. Now I have a chart where he's number one. You know what I mean? You can do that with any player in the league whenever you want to make stats look good. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, he just needs to ball the f*** out. He needs to put up 30-plus yeah. touchdowns. Convincing, and convincing, like we're saying. Yeah, bro, 3,500, 4,000 yards. And like no questions. No, like, oh, this statistic, that's no. Just no. come out and like be like, hey, what do you guys have to say now? But as far as that Tom Brady stuff, I, you know, we are on the same page as not wanting Tom Brady on the team. Yeah. But I got to say, I believe it was going to happen. And I was convinced that it was going to happen mainly because of Ross being the Michigan alumni. Mm hmm. Um, and then the reports that Brady just wanted to stick it to Bill Belichick one time because he's already won his Super Bowls in New England, enough so. 
and the narrative was always going to be, okay, well, it's, you know, best coach ever, and then Tom Brady's, a, you know, a good system quarterback. Then he goes to the Bucks, runs a completely different offense, like an air raid offense with, with Arians, and has an MVP season. Like, if Aaron Rodgers didn't win MVP, the only other option was Tom Brady. He had num- he had the best season he's had since, like, the Randy Moss he year, also, I think. He also went to a 9-7 and seven team that had a quarterback throw over, what, 16 interceptions. And yeah. if Jameis didn't turn the ball over that much, that was a playoff team pushing for, like, an NFC championship yeah. run anyway. Same style, too. You know, they were and pushing it, really. You have two top 10 wide receivers, like, in their primes at the time when he gets there. So, like, absolutely, I'm going to go ahead and throw an asterisk on that because f*** him. But, yeah, no, I feel you. Like, it, the, the, yeah, <laughs> I don't want him. I would be conflicted about having to ever watch it take place. But I believe it was going to happen. I, believe, I really, I really, unfortunately... The same way there was talks for, like, any other coach. The same way we were just talking about there was probably a conversation about Sean Payton. All these guys do their due diligence and, like, have to throw an offer out there, you know? We know for a fact that the boat thing happened, even though Tom Brady avoids it. And for some reason, the media never asks him about it. But oh, You saw them ask him, though, right? In the in the Bucks, uh uh, training care or OTAs or whatever nah. you saw them ask him if there's any truth to it what do he say he gave the most political so good it was like listening to like he's Homelander dude he was just like well you know I'm on the Buccaneers organization and I'm just really focused on you know bringing this organization to the winds and I'm here and I'm committed and he's just like that was his answer when they're like hey dude were you gonna be a dolphin or not and he's like you know I really love the Bucks. <laughs> so okay. like, I was like, so yes, I heard that. I was like, yeah, he was, he, he was coming, man. He was definitely coming. So he, he basically, I, from what I put together from all these different reports is that he basically wanted to stick it to bill as one last, like if there's any question left about where the success came from in new England, let me show you guys one time and I'll just make sure that bill doesn't even get to make the playoffs, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been so conflicting because I'm pretty sure we go to the Super Bowl. It's not conflicting at all. I am if if TB12 were to sign with the Dolphins, they just lost me as a fan. Like, bro, yeah, I'm but sorry, then you're I looking, can't. you're at the bar and like not trying to watch football, and you're gonna see them making a Super Bowl run out of the corner of your eye. It would hurt. I'll go home and I'll get in the studio. A whole different way. I'll start making. I'll get back into making music. I'll, I'll pick I'll up make all my a gigs. Tom Brady diss song yeah, today, that, bro. I'm out. Like, I'll, I'm making a Miami Dolphins diss track. I'm dissing all 53 <laughs> and the coaching staff. Wow, but, you're gonna diss No Eggmanani, dude? Maybe. Maybe. I think this is his year, so I'm probably going to lay off of him. He doesn't get a diss track. I bet you Teron Armstead fires back. Armstead might smoke me. He's kind of nice, dude. And I'm also yeah. not very good. You'd make a better diss track, but <laughs> mine would have a lot more <laughs> anger and just loudness. Nah, but we don't, we, we don't live in that reality. My next question for you, who do you think is actually the RB1? Because I have a, uh, I have a theory. I think it starts with Chase Edmonds, and I think if if Raheem Mostert stays healthy, it's him, without a question. I think that the only reason that it's not concrete that it's Raheem Mostert is because he's coming off of a, an injury, and I think that McDaniel's experience with him on the roster beforehand and prior throughout his like multiple injuries per year mm-hmm. is giving him the amount of time and, and – uh, um, the comfortability, you know, like to let him bounce back to a hundred percent. Whereas like, right. Let's say that Flores was still here and we just, you know, signed the fastest running back. He's gonna be like, 
yo man you've had all off season you're you're ready to go like we need to see you out on the field and you know if you're the athlete you're gonna be like oh yeah absolutely like i gotta show what i can do but yep. luckily these guys know each other and 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 mcdaniel knows what a threat that raheem's gonna be if he's 100 percent healthy so i'll say week one or two and it's gonna be a lot for Edmonds. and then moving on from there if bearing you know barring any injury that raheem Mostert will be rb1 what do you think i could not agree more I think aside from the injury, if you look at how much they each got paid, Mostert really didn't get anything. He's on essentially like a one year small prove it. Yeah. Versus Edmonds, like, you know, running backs don't get paid like that. But I think he gets like three to six mil a year. And like a little bit of that was guaranteed. So like they actually gave him a little, you know, nice little paycheck to pull up. So I think they're going to expect some production out of that. And like you said, he's going to start as the quote unquote RB1. But they've made it very clear. We're going to be running a system. And it's going to be hot hand, fresh legs. And if by week five, you know, Edmonds has 350 yards, but, you know, he's got an ankle bothering him a little bit. You better believe Mostert's about to get 20, 25 carries the next game. And then if he if he's flinching, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of passing to Ed. I don't think Sony even comes onto the I think I think people are overestimating Sony Michelle's spot on this roster. I think he's a depth. I think he's a good depth piece which is great he had a thousand yards last year from scrimmage and you see that what all these guys have in common Mm -hmm. is all of these guys can run the ball through the tackles if they need to but they also all you know have are capable of catching the ball out of the backfield like that's facts that's what the 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 similarities are here Mostert can do it Edmonds Edmonds is great at it I think we're just talking about I was just saying the Alvin Kamara thing I think Edmonds is our you know, 99 mm-hmm. cent Alvin Kamara. And that's more of a testament to how good Kamara is. Not that, you know, not to shame Edmonds, but he's great value. Yeah. He's not dollar store. He's great value. Walmart brand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's it? Uh, Kroger. He's a Kroger. <laughs> but, uh, Shout out to Kroger and them gas points. We out here. Should be exciting. I think Sony Michelle is going to come in only if um, there's an injury because you Dog can't not butt. have Zaquandre White out there touching. He's going to get some burn. But like we, you, you know the system that they've run for the last bazillion years, they run through running backs. Yeah, they'll cycle through six, seven, eight guys in a season, and all those guys will be productive, injury or otherwise. Dude will get hurt. He'll be back week eight and just have no touches because two other guys are hot and like they're competing for touches. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we're expecting him to be running seventy to eighty plays a game where we have two thousand yard receivers, a uh, seven hundred yard tight end and a 1,500-yard running back, you know what I mean? But uh, I think the philosophy is going to be leaning more on running the ball and quick play offense. We'll f***ing see. We got hella weapons. And your boy Zaquandre White, I mean, we talked about it last time. He's kind of nice. Dokes. And Don't forget about Jared Dokes sticking around. He- I love Dokes, bro. That's our punisher. But, like, what do we – same way we talk about the receiver room being stacked and, like, camp needs to get going because dudes need to get cut – the running back room is kind of deep for the first time in Lord knows how long. Like I'm going to ask you a deep, deep question about the running backs for this year and the running backs for last year. I'm going to name off all the running backs that we've had in the last two years. And if I'm missing one, let me know. And I want you to tell me who's the best running back out of this group of people. And we're going to do the top three running backs out of everyone we've had for the last two years, right? Malcolm Brown, all right. Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Saquon J. Wright, 
White, sorry, and Jared Dokes. That's it, right? Um, ish. You forgot Sony and the new ones. Oh yeah, Sony Michelle. That was the only one. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Sony. Honestly, even in limited time, Duke Johnson was probably the best we had. Yeah. Uh, in the older guys, and then after him, I'd probably go Miles just because we had to run him for a bit, and he was being asked to do a lot. There were those games where Philip Lindsay was kind of. He didn't get the touches, yeah. you know? Like, he didn't get the touches to get going. But, like, if you gave him more than five, he was giving he was, you something. But I can't I can't put him above Miles for that. Like, True. You know, that Raiders I, I game. Can, I can put him above Ahmed, but not not Miles. So, I, I, I put I put Lindsey third. And then, right now, it's got to be Edmonds, Mostert. I would say Sony, but I haven't seen enough dokes, and that's a different style of runner. He's more of like an A.J. Dillon, like how I want to run him back. Let's just hand it to him, get 3.5 for a carry, and just like make it hurt. By the fourth okay, so- quarter, you don't want none of this no more. Like <laughs> I, think, I think they have that with him, but uh, we didn't really get to see. So so out of last year and this year, who do you think who do you think will see more success in the, in the run game, Duke Johnson or, or uh, Chase Edmonds compared to what we just saw? And what we're about to see. I think if Edmund stays healthy, he has a f-ing career year, dude. Like he's put he's put up very very efficient numbers with the Cardinals, with once again limited touches and touchdown vulture J- James Conner snaking legitimately everything in the red zone. They so love like, doing that over there. That was a nightmare for fantasy football. Like I'll never ever trust the Cardinals ever again for fantasy football. Kyler only because you have the the. F- the floor with the rush yards. He's going to get at least 40 to 50, so that's five points a game minimum. You had Kenyon, Drake, Chase Edmonds, or James Conner. It was just... Hell. And the receivers were tough, too. Even D-Hop would have, like, random games, and, like, it was just too hard to guess. So if you're going to touch them, it'd be it'd be Kyler. But, no, nah, I think Edmonds is set up. He could be literally true three down, get after it, and, like a high-performing offense, the same way people always told you, yo, if you're the RB1 in a Shanahan offense, like, that's prime fantasy football stats no matter who you are. And that's what we're supposed to be running with, Mr. McDaniel. So Yeah, everyone should get, like, 10, 12 touches, man. Just, like, give them all the, what they need and figure out who's going to do it. Raheem Mostert, just, like, imagine letting Sony Michelle come in and just beat the out of a, a defensive line for, like, 10 touches, and then, like, you have Mostert and... Chase Edmonds out there, yeah, you know, man. at the same time, and you can just throw it either way, left or right, and Tua gets to make the reel real quick, and it, God forbid, it goes into Mostert's hand, and he has one man to beat, whether it's a seventy-yard run or not. Our offense is built for us to be up like fourteen-zero and running that RPO to where you need to account for the running back going between the tackles and like smoking you for a quick 15 maybe a house call if he gets a block or makes a proper move you yeah. also have to worry about if the running back doesn't keep it he has two guys that run low four twos maybe something in the four ones if they got on the clock an hour. two guys that do that not one the the chief's offense was damn near impossible to stop with one guy that can do it we have two that you have to account for. Jalen Waddle's fast too. That's who I'm talking about. Oh, well, Raheem like, Mostert. He, like he wasn't healthy enough to run his like true forty, which is why he didn't do it coming out of Alabama. But uh, Henry Ruggs used to talk about how they used to race in practice and shit like that. I'm talking about Waddle, bro, and Ruggs and all those Alabama guys used to say Waddle was the fastest guy on the team. Yeah. And I I believe Ruggs ran what like a four two seven. Well, have at you the seen? 
you've seen Tyreek Hill when he first was getting traded. He was like, oh, I can't wait to race. I can't wait to race. Now he's been on the field with Waddle and Raheem and stuff like that. <laughs> and he, he tweets out and he's like, nah, you're faster than me talking to Raheem. And then now he don't want to race Jalen Waddle no more. So, like, Bro. you know what it is. Like, Bro. Jalen Waddle's the 20, you. the twenty. how old is he? He's like the 22-year-old, 21-year-old Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill at 21 wasn't even doing what Jalen Waddle's doing. No no offense. You know, he's, 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 he you. is who he is. But he was still a return guy right now fighting to learn how to run routes. Waddle's already a, a polished route runner, you know, so. I said in the group text the other day, I'm like, yo, unpopular opinion, Waddle's faster than Hill. Like, Hill is still one of the fastest in the league, and he's pushing 30. I don't think it's unpopular. I think it just tells me if, whether you're a casual or you know what you're talking about or not based on that opinion. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, yeah, I, you know. I, I agree with you. So. I throw bold takes out there, and people make me feel crazy every once in a while, but. I it, love calling you crazy. <laughs> like it. It's wild. So speaking you wanna, of. I was about to say, speaking of crazy, you want to talk about Noah? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we could go right there. Noah season. We keep a note. We keep a nice uh, group note that we go through for these podcasts here, and I love going through them. And you just see Noah season in all capital letters. So <laughs> this is definitely a such segment. What have you seen? Or heard about Noah that we can hype up for this episode. So we all know most of our beat writers, they don't believe in, you know, positive affirmations or uh, manifesting anything good. They just like to point out the negatives and be more on the pessimistic side. Even the beat writers that are saying that are saying Noah's having one of the best like off seasons out of all the guys that they're seeing open to the media. And, and who is Noah and what does he play? Noah Ikbenogany. Uh, originally was going to be like the nickel corner, but they've been kind of running him inside and outside. Uh, there's been times where Byron got hurt and he had to jump outside and jump into the slot and do all this crazy stuff. Comes from a very athletic like lineage down to his like parents. Two Nigerian Olympic award-winning medalist track athletes. This guy is a fucking workhorse, like in the locker room and everywhere. So hearing the beat writers say it is one thing, but two Dolphins legends, uh, Pat Sertan and Sam Madison. Now it's the Bills. coaching the secondary. That's the meme and that they're everybody can use against us because we being able to Josh mold Plato and how once he just does whatever he's now told it's and the he's Bills. developing so That's well. That's the meme and that everybody can use jumping on the Twitter every time there's a beat Josh Allen or something and going on. We see Noah in position on a lot of these plays and like right there, the same way we kind of saw during the end of the season, middle of last year, he was always in position. He was just kind of off maybe a step or maybe a hair. Even the Jaguars game that's what i'm saying i bro. said that the one that he came in for for byron jones like the only thing he didn't do was turn around and play the ball everything else technically which is huge but don't get me wrong well, but that's the difference between a touchdown else, and an interception you know what i mean exactly and if and he's he getting had everything else down like his hips were with the receiver's hips he had one hand around his back like he everything looked like cookie cutter great form, great technique to be in place to play the ball. He just didn't turn around and play the ball. So it feels like development-wise, like he's getting way better. And if we didn't have two f all-star, if we didn't have one of the best corner tandems in the entire NFL, Arguably then the we best. probably would have seen Noah Igmanogany a lot earlier. He only played one year in college at that position. I was about to say and that. And he was he's always meant corner. to be. He was a receiver coming into Auburn, and like they also listed him as an athlete because they know he could, you know, do more. Shit. He was always meant to be a, a project, and he's yeah. getting to learn by two great legendary DBs as a, on our coaching staff, and then also two great legendary DBs that are still on our roster. So 
you know, for anyone that doesn't know who Noah Igbenogany is, he was widely considered a first-round bust because we took him at the end of a first round in the year that we had three picks in the first <sighs> round, and a lot of fans are upset about his lack of production. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins. But Sutton and I are big Noah stands, and we believe He's gonna in him. He's going to get after it. And like, like you're saying, he was always in perfect position, and just right there, it was just get your head around or get your hands up, whatever it may be. If he's just getting that next step, and now we're four deep at corner, considering Needham Island as well, like dude that's a problem if he if he really makes a jump like now not only do we have him there like you know for i guess four cornerback sets or if we want to drop a safety and run one safety in a bunch of corners i don't know what they're going to scheme up he has all the support in the world aside from everything that you just listed it's very clear that holland's taking a jump this offseason jones is taking a jump and the coaching staff's gonna give them bigger roles too. So if we have like this youth movement going with the all pros, Noah's in a kind of a two position where it's like get with it or get lost, bro. If you can't get it done right now with all these tools and resources surrounding you, you're just not gonna get it done. And we're gonna be looking to replace you yeah. next year with all these picks we got. So same way with Tua. I'm very confident in him and in Noah to be able to get it done. But if they don't I wouldn't we'll be surprised if Noah plays well and he gets re signed for a low a good low cost deal. I mean, yeah. Just to have a quality insurance behind Xavier Howard or Byron Jones because of how dependent our defense is on those lockdown man coverage corners. You know, if we can have just any player that can come in uh, and like I don't know if Byron's safe. I think Noah takes a jump. Byron uh doesn't get re-signed once his contract's up cuz we we Oh no, yeah, no, we've definitely noticed not. he's kind of shut his Every single time Xavier Howard talks about wanting more money, Byron Jones just sits in the background and answers questions very politically. He he, he kind of gets it. <laughs> I love Byron though. I, I, I love he, him too. I'm gonna go ahead and say this, and I don't want to get anyone upset that's in our Dolphins group chat. But there were in the first two seasons that he was there times where he was making these business decisions to where if it was like a blitz play where the corners were involved or a run play where the corners were like, because of the offense, the corners were stacked a little bit closer to the line mm -hmm. that he was just like, yo, I ain't making that tackle. <laughs> or like, I'll give like a half <laughs> attempt here, but like that ain't, that ain't my job kind of thing. And I get it. You're like 30 years old and you know, you're a DB. I've seen Xavier and Howard do it before too at the goal line, but like, he's so good that you just let him do whatever he wants. But that's the only thing that bothered me with him. Other than that, I think Byron Jones is – he's overpaid, but he was a player that we had to overpay to bring him to Miami. You got to think we did it in that Agreed. 2019. Wasn't the strongest free agent class. Yeah, and, and you had to pay him to, to, to convince him to go, kind of like how the Jaguars had to overpay for a bunch of players and stuff. We were in a tank team. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, you know, we were the worst team in the league that year almost. But I don't think that Xavier Howard gets as many opportunities to be Xavier Howard without Byron Jones. Mm -hmm. The style Byron Jones plays, that smothered coverage, he's never going to intercept the f***ing ball. I think he got his first his second interception in his entire career was last year on the Dolphins. And then he fumbled it while he was returning it back because he was too excited to even hold on to the ball. But you can tell it was Xavier, off a tip. Yeah. And Xavier <laughs> Howard was more excited for him than he was excited because you could tell they had been working on like him being able to catch the ball. But yep. really, he's just always in good position to be like, 
you don't have to worry about turning over the ball, but this isn't going to be a complete pass. Like uh, my hip is connected to the receiver's hip and I'm going to pat I'm going to block this pass every time. It's a true shutdown corner. Yes. And your other option is Xavier Howard who's like, "Hey, I'm not looking back at the ball on purpose and I know you're about to throw it and I'm purposely letting the receiver get two steps ahead of me so that I can quickly burn this receiver and jump up intercept the pass." You Snatch. think he's got me beat, but it's all part of my plan. The GOAT, Xavier Howard. Gets me hard every time. Dude, he just, uh, he baits everyone. It doesn't matter if you're Pat Mahomes, if you're Mac Jones. Tom Brady said uh, nobody had ever intercepted a ball like that before. Like, when he was still in the Patriots when he when he got, I think it was, it might have been the first time that Xavier Howard intercepted Tom Brady, and then he did it twice in the same game, I think. He snatched his twice that game, and boy. And the second one, Tom Brady was like, yo, I've never, I've never played against somebody that did that to me. Yeah, he kind of floated. Yeah. He was like, almost like he was in no man's land, like not covering ever anyone, and then just dropped and once again. It's like something on Madden. You know on Madden yeah, when you throw a ball and you know that like the computer knows where the ball is going and that's the only reason the DB snaps their head around and turns to get the ball. Like, because the computer already mm-hmm. knows that that's where it's going. He does that in real life. He pretends like he's out of position just so you'll throw the ball, and then he goes and gets yep. it. Like, it's legendary stuff yep. we see from that guy week to week. Um, Similar to Zach Thomas. <laughs> let's get on it, dude. Zach Thomas. So Brian Erlacher came on to the Pat McAfee show. You don't know who Brian Erlacher is. He's a legendary Hall of Fame linebacker who played his most of, I think, all of his career with the Chicago Bears. Yep. He was a monster. During that gritty era of football where linebackers were wearing neck braces and just Bang, and there were no calls for roughing the passer. They were it, football yep. was still about like gladiator style ball. fucking we're gonna <laughs> hurt somebody, bounties and all that. Well, Zach Thomas was our guy on the Dolphins, who was, I think, very similar to Brian Orlacher. Very with with statistically in play style. They were both so fun yeah. to watch. Well, Zach Thomas didn't make the Hall of Fame. He has better stats than Brian Urlacher. Well, Brian Urlacher goes on to the Pat McAfee show and basically rants as if me and you were doing it. Fantastic. He starts ranting about how he doesn't understand that Zach Thomas is not in the Hall of Fame. He says, yo, compare his stats to mine or to um, Ray Lewis from the Ravens. And he's like, look at them and tell me why we're in the Hall of Fame and he's not. And like... I mean, we could make a whole hour episode about this. What do you got to say about that? We got our boy standing up for us. He was never even on the Dolphins. I said it, ironically enough, like what, a day before, maybe two days before in the group chat. I'm like, the only difference between Brian Erlacher and Zach Thomas is a marketing department because there's absolutely positively no reason Zach gets this disrespected year in and year out. He should have been first ballot, just like a lot of these other guys, but... I don't know if they've been trying to prove a point or if it's like some Dolphins animosity. I can't just claim that because then you're just a salty Dolphins fan and, oh, well, you guys are always just bitching about something. That's why you're not good. Well, one thing that we do know for a fact and that everyone agrees upon that's literally ever played football is that Zach Thomas is one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. And it's a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. And anyone's if you think otherwise, there's no argument. Like, Couldn't there's not more. a single player that's ever said it, including Tom Brady, including Peyton Manning, including anyone that's anyone's favorite player. Hey, random person on the street, who do you like? They'll tell you Zach Thomas is the best linebacker they ever played against. This dude, like we were talking about X, this dude studied so much film and knew shit 
he would call out what the quarterbacks were doing and they would audible and then he would call out what the audible was and shift everybody yeah. to it and then make the fucking play bro like he's got one more year before he's ineligible uh, so if he doesn't get in this year it's done deal they'll I have mean, to see me they'll have to see they will have to see us at the pro football hall of fucking fame we are pulling up yeah I was just, we gotta pick it we gotta protest yeah not peacefully a violent protest at that yeah i am not peaceful at that i'm pulling up in my jason taylor too like what's up and I'm and I'm sacking somebody. I'm hitting a little box move and punching that. Sh I'm bringing 500 footballs and we're throwing them through the windows of the building. Yeah, and I'm stealing all the Ricky merch. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I haven't really talked about it before. Basketball. Your Miami Heat segment, real quick, you know, because you're a Miami Heat fan, and I was going to ask you how you felt about a certain Miami Dolphins player standing up, rooting on the side of the opposing teams uh sideline cheering for them against miami yeah they got what they deserved shout outs to my boy steph curry f them f boston f uh everything they ever do they, <laughs> like it's christian I, wilkins never, by I, the way no i know i f with christian wilkins so i'm not talking about him he's literally my favorite player on the team but he was rooting uh, for the Celtics. it's always morphing time. he was loud too yeah. you know how he gets not everyone's perfect, bro. Everyone has their flaws. <laughs> and like, I didn't think Christian Wilkins had one. I was like, man, maybe, maybe he can't like, you know, cover defend like running backs out of the backfield. Maybe that's his one flaw, but <laughs> nah, maybe that could even do that. But the Celtics thing, I just won't talk to him about it. We'll just leave that out of any conversations Our we ever basketball have. With him. Yeah, nah. Cause like, it's one, like you remember the play, I think it was against the Panthers where uh, Mac Jones threw an interception and he grabbed uh, Brian Burns' like yes. foot and like twisted his ankle. Yes. Uh, Peyton Pritchard on the Celtics did the same exact thing to Jimmy Butler and hyperextended his knee and he was out the rest of the game and we lost. And they didn't find him. They didn't make a big deal out of it. They didn't really like do anything. And that night you, you see all, all over Twitter like Celtics fans complaining about the refs. And like since that moment, something just clicked. And I'm like... I've always just kind of had like, you know, a casual fan distaste for like Boston sports, but now I fucking hate them, dude. It's like they live in a different fucking reality from like real life. So when I was younger, I don't know if you remember, but I played at the same, I'm not going to say where, but you know what rec gym I played basketball at. You played at the same one. Yes, sir. Right and, the street uh, for the cozy, were Yeah. And uh, I always played for the Celtics. And I never watched basketball growing up like that. I didn't really have, like, cable or anything. So when I wanted time to root for a team, it was the Celtics. Not really putting together, like, at that young of an age that this was the rival city to, like, the Dolphins and just how obnoxious Boston fans were in general. Mm -hmm. So I had a year or two where I thought it was okay to root for them. And then I was like, yo, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. Go Magic, dude. They'll be all right eventually. Maybe not, no, but they who cares? won't. But I'm still here riding with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, another big headline in the Miami Dolphins news is going. To, we we would be shameful not to talk about the Tyree Kill podcast. Oh yeah, to a T. He came out with a podcast says needed to be said. Most of it is about his offseason experience which obviously includes us. There were a couple quotes where he talks about Tua, talks about the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you remember what he said exactly about Tua? Uh, not verbatim, but that uh, a lot of the hate isn't warranted, and uh, he's one of the most accurate guys he's ever gotten balls from. Throws some of the prettiest balls 
he's ever seen. I'll edit this and I'll put the clip in right here. So you guys can take a listen to the part of the podcast where he's talking about Tua. As far as accuracy wise, I'm going with Tua all day. So which one would you rather have? The deep ball where you got to scramble around the field to try to go find it? Nah. Or do you want that accuracy to hit you right in the bread basket on the run? I want it to hit me right in the bread basket just like I did in the Buffalo Bills game and take it 70. And the rest is history. And again, this is not a shot at anybody. Right. This is just stuff that had to be said. It right? needed to be said. It needed so to let's be say said. Uh, yeah, so basically uh, he's sticking up for our boy. This is the first, I mean, we've had people in the past. We've had Devontae Parker stick up for Tua, but, you know, only in, like, defense to something that's been happening. And who cares? Nobody's really gone out like this and said, like, hey, like, there, nobody, nobody on our team has stuck their neck out and rode for him like this. I mean, you hear a little passing like Mike Gesicki be like, you know, he's good. I don't know what everyone's talking about. Or Devontae Parker be like, hold that L, little boy, to um, JC uh, Jackson. whatever the DB. Nah, he did say something to JC Jackson, too, but it was uh, Logan Ryan, nobody, which is even better. <laughs> nobody cares when Devontae Parker says anything because I don't think he's even been like to one Pro Bowl. I think he's had 1,000-yard yeah. season. Tyreek Hill saying something, people are gonna f-ing listen to it, bro. Like that has some volume. It's the loudest anyone's ever shouted for Tua since college when Saban shouted and shouted and shouted. Like he should have known that he was gonna get a bunch of backlash for even putting Tua and Mahomes in the same conversation. Like you can't even get drunk at a bar and have a conversation with somebody and make. God forbid you put their name. You can't put Tua's name in the conversation with anybody or they're going to use it against you. But what he said did hold true. I mean, he's not. He said arm strength, no question. It goes to 1-5, Pat Mahomes. But accuracy-wise, he's going to Tua. And he says he went for 150 yards and in, in two touchdowns or something or one touchdown in one game with Matt Moore. So I love you, Matt Moore. But Tua T is 10 Matt Moore's. I almost fell out of my seat, rejoiced when I heard that. So think, think, uh, take football out of it. Think of Tyreek Hill as a businessman, right? If he's saying stuff like this, knowing that you know you can't say it at a bar without it triggering someone and them wanting to get physical, why would he jump out and just be talking? To it's kind of risky, unless he really means it and he's very confident in what Tua and everybody's about to do. Because if he's yeah. wrong, everybody's going to clown him on all this, and he knows that. And it's going to really affect his personal brand. Now he's f***ing with his sponsorships. Now he's not getting booked to talk on shit anymore. He was the dude that was just hyping up a trash quarterback, and now he's on the Sorry Dolphins, you know? Well, do you have any friends that stick up for you no matter what? Even if you're wrong, and then you look back, and you're like, damn, I was wrong. And he, like, he still didn't even question it. He was just like, <laughs> there for me. Yeah. So it's either that. It's one or two things for me. Either he's giving you the facts, which would be great, and he's just telling you what it is that, like, hey, y'all don't know what you're talking about. You don't know ball, and I'm telling you what I see on the field, and you're wrong. The same thing everyone else is saying, but yes. Yeah, which would be amazing. But if it's not, and he might have to pay some consequences to his brand, you know, because of this, so be it. But if it's not, and he's just riding for his boy blindly because he's on the team now, I also love that. Yeah. I also, I don't even care. It's a bit of both. If they go out and they, they look horrible, I don't care. I mean, I care, but I'm doesn't change that I'm still happy that Tyreek was like, nah, that's my guy. Yeah. Don't even talk like that. That's my guy. That's how, bro, that's, that's the vibe. 
Because he means We haven't it. had anybody like that. No. Nah, we haven't had anybody on his level like that. Even if, yeah. even if Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant and uh, Isaiah Ford were running around saying that on Twitter every single day, nobody would give a f- That's true. It Very good point. It literally doesn't matter. Now, we've had Ocho saying it consistently for years since on he got I drafted. Athlete podcast. Get the f- off of Tua. Tua's nice. He said it directly to Omar Kelly multiple times. Oh, my God. Like, I loved it. sit the f- down, bro. Like, y'all got Tua. What, what are you talking about? Like, we, like, he said we, too. Yeah. He loves to be a Bengals fan and a Dolphins fan. Here's yeah, a funny he story. Yeah, he does. I love Ocho, though. He used to come into this um, this bar that I was managing in Los Angeles for like two years straight and watch the NBA Finals and stuff. And he does what he usually does on the internet. He tipped our waitresses and stuff like uh, mm-hmm. you know, a couple thousand dollars or whatever. He never gave me a dollar. I always used to give him a private room that was always closed. Like We have like multiple bars. Uh, this private bar for him. Put him in there. He doesn't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'd give him. He'd drink like f-ing three Red Bulls. Bring him like some chicken sliders. Sit him in a room where he could watch football by himself. Open it and like introduce some girls to him for him to give him the you know the kind of company Treatment. he wanted, not overwhelm him. Yeah. And I asked him straight up. I said, "Bro, Chad, keep it real with me right now. Are you still a Dolphins fan?" He's like, "Oh, till I die." He said, you know it. And he dabbed me up. I said, okay. So, like, I don't even care that you're Ocho Cinco. Yeah. I'm just, I'm coming here to take care of you because you're a Dolphins fan. And now I see him on here just jumping back and forth between the Bengals and the Dolphins. Like, I mean. Uh, Got to ride for the Bengals if you're Ocho. That's, come on, man. I know. I but, like that. But, but he says a- we when he refers to the team for the Dolphins and for the Bengals. You don't get two wees. It ain't wee wee. So <laughs> you don't get two wees. You he get one wee and then another team you like. He can be French. Now, I think Ocho is one of those guys that's like an exception to a rule. Just like if Shaq decided he wanted to like multiple teams, he's allowed because he's Shaq. Ocho. What wa- other team is he going to like? I don't Magic? know. I watched a documentary. <laughs> it was on, I want to say Showtime or something weird. But uh, it was about like Uncle Luke and like the, the Florida pipeline and like how in south florida like it starts in middle school out there and ocho was a part of it ab was a part of it and like it's ill chad lives and dies south florida he's he's back there he lives there he's chilling there like that's that's home you know what i mean so if it was up to him he would have been drafted by the dolphins and never left and like after he was post prime and still trying to figure it out a little bit he made sure to try to at least make the dolphins we were kind of stupid for not signing him after camp he was fucking off at that point in his career too though he was he was doing silly once again i don't care it's chad johnson (laughs) like put him in the slot we had no playmakers like can figure it out <laughs> would you rather have brandon marshall in his prime or chad johnson in his prime ocho <laughs> just checking i'm just checking bro ocho just science. Come on, uh, speaking now. of some wide receivers <laughs> let's get back to what we got going on in real life honestly honestly <laughs> what ocho kind of uh he's trent sherfield's got a little ocho in him if we're talking about receivers uh, okay so you watch some trent sherfield uh tape I had to I had to watch what I could and like with a lot of these guys obviously don't have access to like all 22s of them like in camp. Oh, this year we will though. 
Yeah, we will. I'm paying for it. But uh, for like players that don't even have that much film, like younger guys and guys that just don't got a lot of NFL reps, you kind of have to go back to like college highlights and then just try to look up articles. Same kind of research I do in fantasy football before I draft like dynasty rookies. You can see there's levels to shit when you watch guys highlight tapes like, oh, why, why is a guy a first round running back versus a third round running back? You watch Saquon and Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins college highlights and the first five minutes are 80 plus yard touchdowns and shit like that consistently then you yeah. watch james cook highlights and you know the first one might be a long touchdown but the rest are kind of like here and there and you see flashes and then you watch combine shit, read shit, and you put two and two together so that's kind of how i do my research it works in fantasy football all the time and uh, it, it's kind of helped with me just being a dolphins fan because you have to like dig on people but I did that with Sherfield, and I noticed off rip that he is a very, very clean route runner. That's kind of the closest Ocho comparison I'll give him. He's not on Ocho's level, obviously, but uh, very clean. He took a lot of handoffs. Um, I think he was at Vanderbilt or wherever he was at, but he did a little, little bit of that, you know, Debo style bullshit. And for his size, he's a pretty solid blocker. So when I was first watching it, I was like, Which damn. Which is a he big deal for McDaniels need that and he's kind of like a uh, a, a less stocky jarvis because juice if we remember juice was about that action in the run he was trying to come oh, yeah. down and hit a linebacker he's trying to grab a safety he's trying to like help the running back spring a play we haven't seen anybody like jarvis landry in his prime on our team since that bring at back. all i mean somebody that would dive from the 10 yard line <sighs> and put his body straight through three defenders to try and reach the goal i love like him. you know what i mean like that kind of like dog that mm. dog I believe Sherfield's wearing his or Sheffield's wearing his number. Like, oh, yeah, okay. and like he's 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 shifty, he's quick. So I mean, that's that's a nice little addition. It's good to have depth at receiver, and he's very young. So like we can let him develop. And then I also looked into uh, River Craycraft, and I'm like, I know that boy. Yeah, and we saw those clips early. It was like the first OTAs, like. He was running some drills with Waddle, and you're like, damn. Who's, who's this fast white man? This is kind of moving. He's chopping them feet. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of getting there. Yeah. Motherfucking River Craycraft. And uh, I dug into him a little bit. Kind of reminds me of like a, uh, like a great value Jordy Nelson. Just big body. He's trying to square up. He's going to box you out. But he's Agile, also, though. He's also like shifty. Kind of quick, but like for that size, he's more like, I'd say shifty. Uh, First also, time I seen who he was was, you know, I keep telling you about the roommate Niners fan that I had, and I'm mm -hmm. watching a game where they're getting blasted, <laughs> they're losing <laughs> very badly, and it's just like a night game. So I'm watching it with him. You know, our game's over already, and I'm sitting on the couch with him, and he's just screaming at the TV, and he's I don't know, he's like River Craycraft. Who is that? He's like, we got this white guy on the field everyone's hurt no wonder we're losing the game he's just going off and that's the first time i <laughs> i heard about river but i'm happy to have him he's, he's not bad he looks bro. good he's got yeah. hands too and he and knows like, mcdaniel's system like bro. flat out like he's ahead of the game as far as everybody else him and Sherfield have a leg up as far as knowing the system yeah and they're both i think they're both obviously going to make the team how much playing time they get and like picking them up in dynasty leagues i don't know about all that but uh I'm not stressing like I would be in the past when it would, you know, if Jakeem goes down and Isaiah is already starting, what are we going to do? Because Preston's not back for two weeks. Like, Preston better be f 
drinking his milk and maybe thinking about investing in some compound V. Boys, like, this boy's ligaments are made out of dried pasta. God, <laughs> need to do some push-ups <laughs> or something. God, <laughs> I don't know what to tell him because these boys are coming. He's got, he's got rigatoni legs. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know what he needs, but I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know what he's gonna do. We haven't really talked about it too much because I didn't want to fry him. But I have a homie that actually works for the Dolphins, like in the front office doing some. I'm gonna leave him anonymous until he gets a clearance from Mr. Garfinkel to like talk on this shit. Come on, Tom. Yeah, I know, dude. I, I was about to message Mr. Garfinkel on LinkedIn, like, "Hey, man, this is Brandon. I don't know if you've uh, checked out the <laughs> Day One Dolphins podcast yet, but we're really interested in having blank." Uh, they do not want us representing the franchise. I can tell you that right oh, I'm now. I'm clean as f on LinkedIn, though. If they, if they just came off of that, it'll be all right. A couple dope things he told me is when we were making the move for the Tyreek Hill trade, the two pieces that they wanted that we put our foot down and said absolutely not to both, like there's a 0% chance, uh, could have saved us on all the picks and like that, but they wanted Holland and they wanted Waddle just for Tyreek Hill. Would have Get saved the us the picks. Hell out of here. Yeah, like the Chiefs know, just like we know, that Holland is already a top ten safety in the league, and he's only going to get better and better. And he's just such a great culture fit anywhere yeah, he's going to go. Yeah, let's trade twenty. We just said earlier in the podcast that Jalen Waddle is beating him in a foot race is a more polished route runner at this age. And he already got overworked, arguably, got the most work of any rookie receiver in the league, mm -hmm. including Jamar Chase, who did amazing and was the uh, best rookie receiver in the league. But Jalen Waddle got more work, and it was on a less talented offense. Yeah. And you think we're going to give him up for Tyreek while he's about to turn 30? I, I wish mean. I could talk to Andy today and tell him what a f joke that is. You gotta try. The same way we're talking about throwing the max deal at Sean Payton just to see what happens, you know? Throw an offer out there. You gotta try. <laughs> That's when the dude on Craigslist tries to lowball you hundreds of dollars for your used Chevy Malibu. 600 no, bucks. Dude. No, yeah. it's listed for 7500 bro. Get your bread I up. just cleaned this in the driveway for like two hours. That alone is 200 bucks. Shout outs to Chris Greer because our football team is not uh, operated by people that I, I, honestly i'm just happy we don't have the texans front office because they might have taken that deal and thrown it in the first round pick or some like bill o'brien baby dude he's like you know what not only will i trade everyone i'll work out all the deals with all the players i'll call the entire offense this is kind of just going to be my thing for a little bit you guys down and they were like <laughs> yeah dude get after it and, well uh, <laughs> he was a good gm he at was first it. <laughs> he was and then doing like, too much there should be more of an investigation about bill o'brien as the not only head coach, but general manager at the same time of the awesome. Houston Texans. And they should be investigating whether he purposely tried to screw their franchise over or not, because it certainly <laughs> seems like he did on the way out. Oh, yeah. He made sure to get Tunsil paid, though. <laughs> so I'm like, do you, dude. But your source inside says they tried to get Holland and Waddle, which yeah. I think is just they can go f themselves in the most non-polite way possible. What else did he say? Obviously, we said the same thing, but the only other, uh, I guess, notable thing that we talked about that he brought up, I was talking to him about the offensive line thing, because even though I'm a big time Solomon Kinley fan, anytime I say that in person or on the internet or anywhere, like, 
people just get so mad and like they they throw out every other like insightful bit of information i said and just think i'm stupid now because i said solomon kinley so i asked him like what's up with our o-line bro like do we have a like a piece in him is is he even like on the radar is he in danger of getting cut like i'm hearing people wanting uh benito jones and what's good and essentially he was like flow was the worst thing possible for all of our young offensive linemen it's kind of hard to tell what we have at all um some guys were playing out of position and moved around so much and in i guess in the building like on the day-to-day like they just weren't getting the support that they genuinely needed so some guys might have excelled in one day and then had a terrible day the next day and then couldn't bounce back and they just found themselves in a funk. So I think uh, they went out of their way to sign Armstead to try to help keep some like positive, like all adult energy in the room because we have a bunch of like jits on our offensive line. And uh, if they really weren't getting the support and like the backup like that, you have a, a player that's going to start and put you on game on the actual game while he's also looking out for you on the other and then we brought in offensive minded coaches at every position that are going to help you out and help with your technique and i th- believe arthur smith was also an o-line coach at one point too like yes he yeah, was everybody's everybody's down to help y'all out yeah so if if liam and we all know the real so was daniel i think uh yeah before he was running backs coach yeah. Um, but we all know the vibes. Like everyone knew going into it, we've always wanted Austin Jackson at one starting position with Liam, oh, with boy. Hunt, with Armstead, with Connor Williams. And like if it's really developing and these guys are getting the support they need and they're figuring it out. So should this source change how I feel about Austin Jackson? I think so. because um, that's asking a lot. And and I get that, but like bro, he he is a jit. We were talking about how young Waddle is. Austin Jackson's younger. Well, I hope he's bad until next year, and then we can sign him for almost the same as another four-year rookie deal, and then he decides to be good because that's the only way it's worth it to me. You don't want him bad. You want him to be average because he's been worse than bad. We want him to be at least <laughs> he's been worse than bad. Yeah, abysmal. I think is the word you're looking for. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> Le- left side, strong side. If we're running Ar- Armstead and Hunt over there, and we'll just pound the rock that way. You know, and they just got to hold up for maybe 3.5 seconds at most for uh, deep balls. Other than that, hold them up for like two seconds, dude. You guys don't got to do much over there. Two is getting rid of it pretty quick. Like, uh, don't try to press our receivers because you're going to get smoked. And if you guys are playing too far back because you're scared, uh, you're going to get smoked on quick routes. So speaking of our receivers smoking people. You saw PFF ranked uh, the Miami's uh, wide receiver room at number two in the league. They ranked them number two. They gave us the number two ranked secondary. And I guarantee when PFF drops their like preseason ratings in like a month, they're still going to have us like 16th. Maybe maybe 16th is generous. We're usually like somewhere 18th. below 25. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would expect and this then we win like there. Remember what, one year we won like six straight or something and they well, we were still at like spot 18. Yeah, so it's, it's a like, cool right. it's a cool tip of the hat. But once again, everyone thinks we're like a delusional and crazy fan base. Like, no, we're pretty well grounded for the most part. We don't get excited like for stupid ass shit like that, like a Jets fan would. But, but like, pain. yeah, and because we we already know that we don't give a f-. 
Like, yeah, we know it's that. Time, it's time to win some games, so y'all. Shut up and get off my boy Tua. I think the only receiving core that's better than ours is the Buccaneers, and that's just my opinion. Uh, I think Cincinnati's better than ours, and I don't think the Buccaneers are. I think... Uh, nah, Cincinnati don't got no tight end that can live up to Mike G. That's fair, but their and, receivers and, are so... I love T. Higgins. Well, he's good, he's stealing but... stealing the second round, man. Okay, so let's let's do this. Jamar Chase is is a little bit better or on par probably with Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill in a general sense. We're not going to get into like, oh, he's one, better, two, He's one, better maybe. than Waddle, but he's not better than Hill. He's somewhere in between them and better at some things than both of them and not as good at some things, you know, like he's... But he's up there, no question, obviously. But T. Higgins, bro, he's good, but like he ain't Tyree Kill. And I don't think he's Jalen Waddle either. And those are both. And then they don't have a tight end that's like Mike Kosicki. So who's so our like, third I'm starting thinking, receiver? Cedric Wilson, bro. Cedric Wilson's not better than. He's not even close to any of the three of them. No, yeah, but I'm saying we got two all-star receivers in a. We're talking about the whole tight room, end. though. We're talking about the whole who's room. Who's their third? Uh, they run Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I. Right. I don't think he's impressive either, but Cedric Wilson, dude. Show me a little bit don't, more. Like, don't he's had sleep games. on said. Here's what I'm going to say about Cedric Wilson. I'm not sleeping. I'd like to see my boy Trent take a but we'll see. Cedric Wilson is already the number three receiver. Like, I think it's already in stone that that's what's that's happening. That's what I'm saying. And I don't think he's he, – he could be better than Boyd. I don't know. But Chase, I think there's, it's, it's up for debate, and I think he hasn't had much of a chance to show it. But if you – look at the things that coaches and other players and some analysts, including like Ryan Clark and like all these other guys that know him talk what the way they talk about him. They're all extremely excited that he's going to have a real chance to be a starter and get more looks on a team because they're like, yo, wait till you see what the, the, this is like. He's kind of like, they've been waiting for him to get his shot here. Did like, you just this say is Ryan his Clark? real shot? Yeah, you can bring it up. Who was he talking to earlier on Twitter? He's talking and arguing with Tyreek Hill about the Tyreek Hill podcast things that he said. But to be fair, he's not taking to be fair. he's not taking issue so much with him saying that Tua is more accurate than Mahomes. He's more so taking issue with the way that Tyreek is coming off about Kansas City and about the way that he was mistreated in Kansas City. So I don't even I, like that ain't even for us. What they say down south, they say I'm Paul and that's y'all. I'm worried about Miami and all that. And to I'm not worried about Tyreek. I don't care if y'all are friends or not. I really don't. So shout out to Tua T. Big Tua, big big Tua T. We got camp um, in what like a month. Yep. Um, before we finish up with the rest of the receivers, what do you got to say about our our youngest tight end? who I think is going to be bumped to third string now or third de- in the depth chart not third string but yeah um he'll get some he'll get some looks for sure uh Hunter Long he was drafted what last year not this uh, past draft but the draft before that e- maybe I don't want to guarantee that I know he was a flow pick yeah, he was a second rounder, and he didn't play last year but tight ends take a while No, he he played a little bit last year, not a lot. Yeah, he had that one like interception that was pretty much his fault but you know hey man flow guy nah but i think he's gonna be all right i've kind of noticed the media team even though they're either like thinking on a 10d chess level and like they're just playing a whole nother sport with us and they're toying with us but i've noticed they're starting to post hunter a little bit more and get him a little bit more involved with 
and they typically don't do that unless somebody's like showing up they're not trying to invest in their uh, marketing budge for dudes that are like about to get cut i think once again we brought in a tight end coach and a guy that built vernon davis and george kittle and when you have a guy like that coming in, you're going to get better, especially if you're a guy that's committed to getting better. And everything they've said about Hunter Long is that's who he is. That's who he was coming out of college. And that's part of the reason why we drafted him. He's just going to figure it out. And he's a very well-rounded tight end. He's going to be able to block. He's going to run his simple routes. And he's going to catch the ball end. when you throw it to him. Yeah. Nice and simple. And a red zone threat, you know, big body. Like he's supposed to be able to go up and get it. You know. Give me that. We'll see. Give me all that. And, like, we'll if the coaching see. staff supporting him, he put on a little bit of muscle. He was like, yo, I was a little too light last year. I had to, I had to hit the gym. <sighs> he yeah, has been hanging out with all the tight ends and some people on the team. Like, I saw him at the uh, the Panthers hockey game yep. who got swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're, but he was there. He was hanging out with Mike and them. He's been at, like, birthday parties. He's been, you know. The tight end room is tight. Thing. You can yeah. tell. Like, the tight end room, like, they f- with each other obviously yeah, Durham friends. and Mike G but like inseparable they, they, they're bringing Hunter along and then huh, get it Hunter along <laughs> when, when Shaheen yeah. got in like he adjusted really quick and like we haven't asked much of him but the we have asked him to do he just goes out and like does it at an average level no complaints from and then he's got a little Adam sparks Shaheen. here and there like he does some shit where you're like whoa Ooh, was that okay. Mike G oh they even called it they called him Mike Isiki a couple times he did something impressive and they're like oh sorry uh, that's not him actually oh that's actually uh, this Adam guy let me try to figure out how to pronounce his last name uh, because I don't actually know anything about the Dolphins but listen to the uh, Flying Coach podcast with um, Sean McVay and Peter Schrager talking you know interviewing other coaches and stuff Yeah, I heard an episode talking about uh, Adam Shaheen they brought him and, and they did like a they flew out to like work out with Adam Shaheen for uh, a couple days or whatever specifically for him so he was on the radar for a uh, radar for sean mcveigh so that was interesting to hear that's tight if they if the coaching staff just clicks and this team just buys in and everybody the thing that we we everybody like roasts flow and like hates on flow but all he did was draft guys that are highly coachable and love fucking football and what he did was make them hate their lives and yeah that's now, what was bad <laughs> you know what i mean the albert wilson thing where they were Nick Hicks, to his trainer, who you either love him or hate him, um, came out from our boy from Port St. Lucie, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Albert Wilson, a quote from Albert Wilson via Nick Hicks, the trainer, said that it was the weirdest year of football he had ever been a part of, and they made you walk single file line inside the inside the facility and not speak to each other. That Coach Flores would pass you in the hallway and not say anything to you and make it uncomfortable. Yeah. Which, crazy. And that's, that's the opposite of the vibe now. And if we have such a young team that is that dedicated to getting better at football, and we've seen they win games and they like to win they've gone on losing streaks and have bounced back especially in their rookie year when all of them went on a five game winning streak with absolute dirt so we know we have guys that like want it i think if the coaching staff can really just connect with all the hires that they made i think they are and uh we're gonna be serious and that's why we're seeing like an uptick in like two a hate because if the o-line figures it out bro and these random hunter longs and noah's and austin jackson's if they just take 
one step, two steps forward, not even asking them to jump to a Pro Bowl level. If any of them do that, phenomenal. Just don't be like, terrible. Take one, two steps forward, bro. Our whole team is a problem. We're an actual playoff team. We were a playoff team last year if y'all did that. But we're going to go ahead and say, and shout outs to the insider on like verifying like that it really was as like dictatorship vibes like albert wilson said like it really was that tough on these guys these dudes are 22 years old living in miami and this is the first time they're getting paychecks of this magnitude you know what i mean and then they're just in this negative vibe every time they're in the locker room or and film or anything like that but when they get to play they still win through all that now you're bringing in a fun-loving coach that's on podcasts and wearing yeezys and cracking jokes with the media like and then you bring in savvy veterans that are excited to get these young guys right and excited to be there and publish podcasts and drop their albums and push their personal brands while they're about to be on a winning football team like bro that's a per that's a perfect storm in miami brother in a certain way i can appreciate the culture that flores brought obviously it outlived its welcome there outstays <laughs> welcome but looking at like 2018 and 2019 like it was well needed there was no culture it was just yeah. a bunch of people there. And some of these guys, like especially like Jerome Baker and like Nick Needham, um, you know, some 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 defensive pieces that you can tell are just like really sealer um, con conditioned professional. Uh, and, you know, they kind of still contribute to that Flores culture, the, the good part of the Flores culture, mm -hmm. the TNT wall. Exactly. Takes no talent, the high discipline, no penalties. Like Yeah, because we were the fantastic. most penalized team in the league, and then we went to the least penalized team in the league in one year with that and that's, guy. That was the winning streak. That's that's so, when we started like really hitting, you know? And like yeah. those guys can do that. If they I'm can teach it, Connor it, Williams it how to not take a flag, dude, and you get his flags down, you have a Pro Bowl center at twenty five. With the rest of the um, – he's the second oldest starting offensive lineman right now. Wow. Come on, dog. It reminds me of the offensive lineman still on the Patriots, Cole Strange, that we hate. But he's gonna super get, hilarious. He's going to get dude. He has no – have you seen these videos of Jalen Phillips just throwing the fucking sled on the ground like a plaything? That sled is so heavy to even like – Yeah, it looks like he's throwing a, a child into the pool and it's like this 400-pound piece of metal. He is going to run stunts because our defense actually started running some stunts last year where if you don't know football, he lines up on the edge. But like instead of Christian Wilkins pushing middle. forward, yeah, he's going to push outside and they're almost going to crisscross. Jalen Phillips is going to annihilate these guards on those plays. He's going to put Cole Strange in the fucking dirt and then eat Mac Jones for lunch. Like he's physically as a, like a physical specimen. He's like Jason Taylor. As a physical specimen active in the league right now, the only player that you're going to get, like, physical Madden build-wise that's better is Miles Garrett. Yeah, and, like, and he's – and honestly, I think Miles Garrett's stronger, and I think uh, Jalen Phillips is faster. Yeah, agreed. And, like, that's that's amazing category to be in. Like, uh, I'm just so excited. The reason I brought out the Patriots is because – I before we wrap this episode up, I just wanted to take a quick second to laugh that <laughs> the only thing that I've heard from the Patriots camp so far this offseason are reports that, quote, Patriots players are concerned with the offensive staff, unquote. 
<laughs> the, the, the players don't know what's happening. They don't know who's calling the plays. They're concerned with what the offensive practices are looking like because of how lost everybody is. Dude. And that's awesome. I couldn't be any happier about it. What do you think is going to happen when Matt Patricia's walking around with a f- pencil in his ear? Like <laughs> half these kids have never used a pencil in their life. And their coach is walking around looking pissed as f- He's wearing a hoodie all the time, acting like Coach Belichick, but he's even weirder. And, like, he's not the OC. Coach Belichick's not really the OC. We don't know who is. We don't know who the receiving core is. We got two tight ends taking up, like, 30% of our salary cap, and they don't really get the ball. So, like, don't ask me. Don't ask them. I'll be interested to see how it plays out because, you know, everyone yeah. always thinks New England's going to suck, and, you know, they suck in the first quarter of the year, and then they scheme up some weird and then they win games where they throw three passes. So I was just about to temper expectations for them being bad and just be like, you know, obviously they're going to right the ship, you know, mm-hmm. eventually some point during the season. But if anything, if this can point to like them just being a f-ing mess in the beginning of the season, which is what I expect to come from this, not well, like we, the whole season's going to be ruined. That's great. I don't yeah, care. We that's see them early. We yeah, play, first, if we can, if yeah. we can kick them in that early stretch of the season, that's fantastic for uh team morale yeah i couldn't be any happier about that honestly the patriots but uh let's close out talking about something that i think everyone if you're a podcast listener um if you're interested as much as we are in the dolphins and especially our new head coach mike mcdaniel um i think before we started recording i was talking to you i was saying there's a lot of talking going on from mike mcdaniel where you know p sounds really intelligent and everything he says seems very well thought out and he's good at articulating what he's trying to say especially on you know through a microphone mm-hmm. but that also you know the pessimist in me is a little bit worried because you know I'm worried about him being like Adam Gase genius you know Peyton Manning swore that that was a genius like he was going to yeah. change the franchise around on offense which Maybe he tried, and maybe there was some good that came with the bad, but it's worrisome. And uh, I just want to point out this episode where McDaniel had the opportunity to sit down for an extended period of time. It's like a 40-minute episode or something with O.J. McDuffie Mm -hmm. um, and his co-host on The Fish Tank. And you get to hear a lot about what, what his real expectations are as a new, as a first time head coach, what his intentions are, and also how serious his intent is and that he has intent behind every single thing that he does. He is, he is like conviction and intent behind everything that he plans on doing. Every move. You see what his, what his values are as far as the coaching staff. And it is very, very, very like enlightening to, to hear him speak. And it's not just this run of the mill, like stand up in front of the, um, the press conference and give you a couple questions. Like he really, lets you know what he's about and I, I highly recommend everyone go listen to it. I'm gonna listen to that. I'm a I'm a bad fan. Oh you'll like it. It's great. He's it, it, it kind of tipped me over the edge of feeling like it could be Adam Gase and then more into like, okay, now I'm starting to buy in and drink the Kool-Aid about everyone that's calling him a genius. Gase might be a genius, just an evil genius that has like one of those like weird like social things where he's like not good with people you know what i mean yeah i think Uh, he is and he definitely uses cocaine 
Yeah, well, 100%. Dude, they had they had a team salesman. They used to just pull up at the facility and dap them up. Nah, that's I'm not, not for my joking. insider. That's that's me completely freestyling. But uh, yeah, we have no inside source on this. But I'm not yeah, joking. He yeah, uses nah, cocaine. Definitely, you could tell, bro. He was getting out most most and of the time. And he had a he had a coach use cocaine under on his staff at and the same film time. It. Yeah, in like right before a meeting, and he awesome. stated, "I'm about to be in a meeting. I'm so bad." Shout out to yeah. Coach Forrester, bring him back tomorrow. Hey, he's on the Niners right now, <laughs> doing big things. So, but uh, yeah, nah, I think uh, you know people have their reports the same way Omar Kelly is trying to talk about how the offense isn't where it needs to be, and you know it could be someone in the same line like how the Patriots beat writer is just one of those pessimistic guys. You never know. But just the way the team is just buying into the coach and buying into each other, and you can't hide that. You can't fake chemistry like that. And there's been teams with significantly less talent go on runs just because they click together and the coaching staff True. clicks. That Eagles team that went on a run with Carson Wentz, his like MVP season. Like our team is yep. significantly more talented. And if Teddy B has to come in at the end to run a Philly Whoa. Philly in the Super Bowl, so be it. Like, I'll take that dub, you know? But Don't scare me. I'm just, don't scare me <laughs> in the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Eagles won. <laughs> I, think I, I think that one of us should go in and quarterback if Teddy B has to come in. Hey, I like Skyler. Yeah, exactly. Skyler should come in. Yeah, or I like Lynn Bowden. But I saw they, some really if terrifying. Me, if they need me. Teddy Bridgewater checked the ball down, not only in general, but on third down at a higher rate than I think 85% of every quarterback in the league. So he ain't the dude I'm looking to run the offense, but. I said Philly, Philly in the Super Bowl, brother. That's it. If he's our Nick Foles for that game, you think he got hands like that? He wears two gloves. That's true. Come on now. And he's from the crib. Teddy, two gloves. All right, on that note, we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for all the reviews. If you haven't reviewed yet, please five-star the show because I do expect for um, people that disagree with us to do the opposite and f*** them. But we appreciate everybody else that's taking the time to listen. Thank you for supporting Day One Dolphins. We're going to have some special merch drop in here soon. Uh, We're going to have some special guests. Hopefully we get somebody from the front office via Sut um, to come on the show. Uh, we're gonna have Mr. Some... Garfinkel. Let me know. Yeah. I'll get a permission slip. Maybe we'll reach out to Tom Garfinkel and just bring him on, you know. Um, That'd be fine. But thank you for tuning in to the Day One Dolphins podcast. We will be back next week with a bunch of other nonsense. Uh, it has been an honor. It's your boy, Ouch. Follow me at Twitter at YFinsYY. Follow Sut at Chief Sut. Follow the podcast at Day One Dolphins. We appreciate you. Fins up, beard. Fins up, peace.